everybody, I'm John McFarlane, Head of Creator Engagement, and welcome to episode four of the absolutely on time and always regular Sea of Thieves official podcast. Uh, we've got a couple of fresh victims this week um, who I don't think have been on a Sea of Thieves podcast before. At least one of you hasn't been on a Sea of Thieves. Adam, you might have. Um, but of course, we've got the regular Motley crew who will go through here. We've got Christina McGrath, who's Head of Community Engagement. Hello, Christina. Hi, yeah. I get Mike Chapman, Creative Director. Hello, everyone. Uh, we've got Joni, Executive Producer. Everyone. And the two new guests for this week is Xander Ashwell, Director of Accessibility and UX. Hello. And Adam Park, Head of, head of Brand and Licensing. Hey, up. So just before we get started, I want to do, like, people know, if you, are, if you are just listening and you want to see all our smiling faces, you can go over to YouTube, uh, see if he's on YouTube and watch us on there. Or if you are watching us and you want to listen to us on the go, then uh, you can head over to any reputable podcast app and listen to us on there. And lastly, Christina will be taking some questions from the social that we have been looking over for the last couple of weeks. So if you do want your questions asked on the next podcast, then use the hashtag SOT podcast. Anyway, let's go with it. And how is everyone? We ask every time, but it's been such a big gap since the last one that... I think we can recap what's been going on. Joe, you want to start? I'm all right. Yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> like, I've got a leak in my house in the roof, which is pretty good. So uh, I'm, I'm looking to get that fixed. It's very exciting. There's water literally running down the inside of my walls in my house. So it's not a metaphor, is it? This is not Sorry? a metaphor. This is an E3 season, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. This is literally like when I bought this house about four years ago, the survey was like, in about five years, we're going to need to replace the roof. And I was like, five years is ages. And now there's water running down the inside of my house. <laughs> and so future future Joe is um, quite angry at past Joe. So, so that's what's going on in my life at the moment. It's the most, literally the most exciting thing that, that I've got on the top of my head. But you're not you're not in the house at the moment, right? I'm not. No, I'm, I'm very dry out here. Um, yeah. Too so. dry, if anything. Well, yeah. <laughs> Chasing. <laughs> Indeed. Christina, what's happening in your life? Nothing. Chafing, I hope, not, hope no chafing. No, no chafing. No chafing. Thankfully. <laughs> I'm not too dry over here. All good. No, I don't know. Having a midlife crisis, but, you know, that's nothing new. It's all good. Start playing the drums. You can see, like, the edge of a drum Ooh. kit maybe off off camera here, um, which is quite nice. But it, it is very much midlife crisis. Are you going to play us out at the end? Oh, very slowly and dreadfully. Who wants to hear All I Want for Christmas is You? That is the only thing yeah. I can please, play. Please, please. No, no, me. Please, please. Yes, please. Hands down. How are you? Season five front end music. Yeah. Over to you, Christina. I'll be messaging Robin. Let me have a go. Be like, oh, uh, sorry, we're busy uh, forever. You, no, thank you. Do it and Adam can sing over the top of it. Why me? Yeah. Oh, you have a lovely set of long voice of an here, Adam. <laughs> you have a lovely, lovely voice. Yeah. No, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, how, you, how have you been, Adam? Very well, thank you. I saw you the other week, John. We did last week, yeah. For the first, first time, time in forever. 20 months or something. Yeah. For the first time in forever. And it was delightful. See? Yeah. See? There's our singer. The singing is. <laughs> <laughs> Not if I'm singing like that, but the um, yeah, it was it was delightful to to catch up with me. You've been saying you've been moving house. I have, which is why, as everyone's already joked, I look like a Tory MP with my <laughs> bookshelves behind me. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's uh, but it's nice and it's nice and tidy. You've done a good job. Of That's getting in only this bit. Like if I was to turn any other direction, hence this spot. It's just a mess. And there's this horrific lampshade above me, which the previous owners left, which is the worst thing ever. And was that the previous owner behind you on the shelf? Yeah. The hand. They didn't leave. I just took a fancy to the house. I was like, I'm in. And you, you had bee, a bee infestation, a wasp infestation. Wasp. Come on, wasp. yes. A wasp nest. Yes, quite. We had a wasp. I don't know if I've told anyone else this. It's not that interesting, but I went into the loft. Because I hadn't been up there and it was pitch black and I had my my um, phone and you could just hear this hum. And I was like, is that a plane? And we like, switched the lights on and there was just wasps like everywhere. Um, and so we had the wasp man come around to get rid of it and he got attacked by the wasps. They covered his face. He nearly fell down the hatch. Um, he was just shouting, help me from the loft. I didn't dare go up. <laughs> And the actual loft, the wasp nest itself, I would say, was the size of like a mini, like an old mini, not a new mini, but like yeah. an old mini. It was huge. Like you could sit in it. It was so big. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend that. That's the trouble with no. older houses. Amazing. It's like you called him Waspman. Waspman. <laughs> not the exterminator, just yeah, Waspman. Waspman. Yeah. yeah. Became a Waspman. <laughs> oh, so, and Xander, have you been yeah. here? Yeah, I've been good. I've just got back off holiday, so today has been a day of catching up on all the things that I missed. But yeah, I took the family down to um, down to the uh, Jurassic Coast, um, which was lovely because we got to see ginormous ammonites kind of littered on the beach and spent an inordinate amount of time trying to convince my children not to whack them with hammers and just to <laughs> admire them because everyone's there like trying to crack open rocks and find fossils. And the kids were like, there's a big one here, let's, let's yeah. get it. <laughs> So Did you equip to... them with hammers, Xander? Yeah, yeah. Someone, someone down there on the coast making an absolute killing, selling you know, two ninety nine hammers from Spreefix for you know, fifteen quid a pop. So yeah, <laughs> we got some little geologist hammers and had a little crack, and we found some. We found some lovely ones, which was felt very, uh, yeah, felt like David Attenborough, or I don't know. Maybe you could send yeah. Adam some for his shelves and we can have them. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Yeah, yeah, I should have quite nice up equipped there. myself with <laughs> some, some gorgeous. Yeah. You could yourself, put a hammer Mike? as well in the little hand, couldn't you? Like behind oh, yeah. You. Perfect. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Do you want me to get the hand? A bit of home decoration tips. From I should put it just here in shot. <laughs> <laughs> have it holding the microphone. Yes. Oh. Mate, you should have you suggested been? that. Good. Yeah, really good. I feel like I've got nothing to add now. Like my... <laughs> House is watertight. I'm on the cusp. I think I'm on the cusp of a midlife crisis. Not in it yet, but I can feel it coming. So it doesn't count yet. Um, definitely no wasps. I went on a holiday recently. I went to Edinburgh for a couple of days. That was that was very nice. Living my best Harry Potter life. That was good. Was that your first um, time there? No, for for a few years. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been there. But that was, that was awesome. Awesome place to hang out for a couple of days. And no, that's it. Just. Basking in the afterglow of season four. It's good to get the Sunken Kingdom out and see people's feedback. And yeah, other than that, I'm good. It's good to see that everyone's having such a nice time. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, so 
the first kind of sub, we, usually we go through different subjects on this and and the first top or topics i should say the first topic we want to hit this time is accessibility and that's why we've got um xander joining us today um i know we've been doing a bunch of work um especially in the the, the latest update there we dropped a, a bunch of um, accessibility options in there and gone down really well within the community um and i know christina i'm going to pass it over to you guys know you've got a couple of um questions from twitter and stuff i can see here yeah, so we've had obviously we've always had a big like investment in accessibility, but we obviously we've recently had quite a few kind of accessibility moments where we participated with the wider Xbox um, Disability Awareness Month work, and then also spotlighted it in Sea of Thieves news, which has definitely seen accessibility accessibility being discussed more on our channels. So I guess Xander, for people new to the concept of accessibility, um, could you just Give us like a really top line look at what is accessibility and, you know, how does Sea of Thieves do what they do in terms of trying to make sure that as many people as possible can play? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. As many people as possible can play. Like that's that's kind of the aim. Right. So <clears throat> accessibility is about essentially kind of joining the the gap between someone's abilities or someone's capabilities and the expectations that the experience that we build um, has of a player. Um, and you know that that essentially is 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 kind of ensuring that we're being as inclusive as 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 we possibly can be so um what that means is 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 that we look at the lived experience of you know a, a vast range of different people um and and we try and ensure that the experiences that we provide them are accessible for them and that's where the word accessibility comes from and you know it's really worth us kind of bearing in mind that when we talk about accessibility we don't necessarily just mean permanent disability you know so we don't just just mean someone that has low or no vision disability can be um temporary so you can you know you could have damaged your eye um or it can be situational that you know that, that the sun's streaming in through the window or you know you're um I, I don't know you're playing late at night you've had to turn the brightness right, right down on your on your on your tv so there's you know there's a, a, a wide range of um accessibility considerations that benefit everybody and you know a big focus of ours is ensuring that we are intentionally including rather than unintentionally excluding and so yeah so what we do at at, at rare it, you know, as as part of wanting to make our games as accessible as possible is we try and engage as many people within the studio and raise awareness of you know what accessibility considerations that, that we might have rather than just me kind of banging the accessibility drum and running around you know trying to keep eyes on everything if everyone at, 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 at rare has a, a great understanding of 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 what we mean by accessibility and how they can help then that puts us in a really good place, as as you've as you've mentioned recently with lots of our updates. But also we listen to a lot of people, you know, within the community as well, and 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 just all those lived experiences makes for a better end product, I guess. That's cool, and that leads very nicely into the next question, which is how do we source kind of feedback uh, regarding accessibility features or issues that we have? Like, what avenues do people have to explore? Yeah, so um, we have a range of kind of means that we gain um, feedback. So you know, obviously, a massive one for us is insiders. Um, you know, we 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 test stuff in insiders in a whole range of ways, whether it's that's for scalability and stability, whether that's for usability, or whether that's for accessibility. Um, so we get a whole bunch of feedback there. Um, we have 
Xbox's internal um, user research team who are you know really really helpful in in providing us with um, best practice examples um, with analysis of, of of other experiences and then we have the Xbox accessibility insider league which we haven't yet engaged with although we're in the kind of early steps of planning out what that engagement looks like and they're fantastic I, I, I don't know if they've announced numbers but there's a massive cohort of people who've sent self-identified as having some lived experience of accessibility requirements and so if if there are players, whether they're insiders or whether they're people that are playing Sea of Thieves kind of out in the wild, um, want to provide us with accessibility feedback, um, if they go to seaofthieves.com forward slash accessibility, there's links there that, 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 that mean that players can raise support tickets and uh, request features or tweaks or suggestions to our experience and, and help us understand their experience of Sea of Thieves better. That's ace. Um, so I will fetch up one very specific accessibility question that we see come up quite a lot on channels. And I think there's probably a little bit of having have a sneaky preview of what where we might be going with this. Um, I know that you, there's probably a few opinions on this, but one of the things that we see on the channels a lot, and this is um, a question from one of our community moderators and just like all around legends, Tamas, is do we have any plans to further the accessibility settings in game to better deal with seasickness? We know that a lot of people feel seasick when they play our game. Yeah, and that's a great question and super pertinent to a game like Sea of Thieves, right? Um, and although I joined Rare um, like a little way into development, so I wasn't kind of at Rare in the very early days, I know that a lot of work went into understanding camera motion, trying to minimise seasickness as much as possible. You know, it's a, it's a difficult challenge to solve, right? Because we've got a moving ocean, we've got a moving ship, we've got a first-person camera, and yeah. tying those things together in a way that feels real but doesn't kind of incur like the cost of motion sickness is is a is a is a challenging problem to solve i don't know if you want to chat a bit mike about those yeah yeah i mean we we definitely haven't made it easy for ourselves and we spent so much time right i mean really in the first six to eight months of sea of thieves in terms of the the motion of the ship on the ocean, the shape of the waves, the randomness to it, the following the direction of the wind, I mean, that that sense of buoyancy of being on a fixed object in an open ocean was a big a big part of what we wanted to move over to um, when we moved to the Unreal Engine. Is really getting that feel that we'd nailed in our prototype. So alongside that, while we were working on that, you, you know, a certain proportion of of people out there obviously get seasickness and it comes in different degrees. And even as part of our own team, you know, you start getting these double figures of people. You still start, you start seeing instances of people on the dev team that really struggled to play Sea of Thieves, um, sitting down to play a play test and in some, some ways experiencing for the first time that they do have a problem with seasickness. Um, they might never been on a real boat in like a really choppy ocean before. So we prototyped a, a series of solutions um, that I think it, when we when we look at it look at it from an accessibility perspective, we will probably go and look at again, which are fairly simple things like looking at single points of reference. Like we had a essentially like a tiny little dot in the center of the screen that was a fixed point of reference that when you look at it, it actually calms those feelings of uh, unease and seasickness. Along with tweaks we can make to our camera, and some of those tweaks we did roll in for the launch of the game, but to go any further, it's something that we'd want to put on a toggle. So yeah, it's, speaking of something that cuts to the heart of the experience we tried to create, very much is seasickness, and it is a real issue. There's definitely still people on our own team that struggle with it um, whenever they do play play the play the game, and as well as 
But if we've taken the game to show, as we always see a small proportion of people that play the game really struggling with seasickness. So we definitely got a lot of leads um, we can go and investigate when we look at this from an accessibility perspective. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's about player choice as well, right? Like things that work for some players absolutely don't work for other players and giving players the ability to kind of self-certify and go, this is helpful for me or this is a hindrance to me and therefore I'm going to turn it off. Like... <laughs> The notion of kind of barriers in games is and and difficulty is you know this is a really good example where you know we can make the game as straightforward to uh, to play as possible. But if there's this barrier for me as a player that that gets motion sickness, yeah. Yeah. then all of a sudden we've introduced something that means that I'm not going to have a great experience, and that's not ideal. So yeah, like it's absolutely something that I think we'd want to look at, and we'd want to ensure that that was a choice that we were providing to players rather than like hey everyone gets a fixed point on the horizon or you know um and we always have to balance these things as well right for for, for the kind of parity of experience yeah. to ensure that we are unlocking access rather than kind of skewing things too much for players in terms of the options that that, 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 that we provide them so it's always yeah. a fine balance yeah. but we're always very much open to kind of hearing players experiences and 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 kind of ideating around them yeah definitely definitely a good point in terms of how we open up that experience rather than just changing the experience so it meets mm-hmm. an accessibility needs. I think all of us on the team have just learned so much through the efforts of Xander and the team and, you know, the conferences that you go to, staying up to date, you know, liaising with the team that we that we have as part of Xbox. I think we've all learned so much about wider accessibility needs across Sea of Thieves. And I think every accessibility focus that we have is a unique case. And I think there's certainly areas where you are toggling something off or you're providing a quick alternative, like a high contrast mode or pressing A to swim up just to help people with navigation. But there's there's so many other examples where it really asks us those questions, like principally, where do we stand on this? Like it would be easy to turn off flares from weapons or, or from cannons or, or changing how we render certain effects, but that that's not really the answer because you still want to convey the same experience to the for, to players that have that accessibility need, but do it in a different way. So I think the types of accessibility issues we're looking at now, and I actually roll seasickness into this. Like how that's a great example in terms of spending so much time on the open ocean is a key part of our game. How do we open that up to more players? It's not just stopping the camera moving. It's how do we do that in a way that still delivers that core fantasy of being out there on a ship as a pirate in a pirate world. So it, it takes a great deal of care and iteration and really reaching out to the people that are the experts in this field. And obviously, I'm sure you've learnt so much, Xander. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And you know, not just the people who are, who are kind of experts in the field in terms of you know, implementing solutions to these challenges, but from people with that lived experience, right? Like yeah. that's the yeah. thing that I think one of the things that I, I always find super, super wholesome and heartening to see is, you know, when special effects come into the studio and they talk to us yeah. about the work they're doing. And every every time that happens, like two weeks later, like someone somewhere got super jazzed about a thing, has like squirreled away on a little passion project and has solved the problem that they saw someone encounter because just building that empathy and understanding through seeing someone else's lived experience and, 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 and gaining a sense of, oh, geez, like that isn't something that I'd even consider to be a challenge. And that's a challenge for you. And it doesn't really doesn't need to be. 
it's just our decisions that have that have that have meant yeah. that that's a challenge so yeah learning from people with that lived experience is fantastic because then we can we can solve some of those challenges for them right yeah, that's really interesting. I think we've had a very similar experience on social media channels in terms of like that journey to make our content resonate with everyone. <clears throat> and it's very much like the feedback is incredible when you get that feedback. Where it's like, I didn't get the joke because you use this sort of character too much. And so a screen reader just it it farted out and yeah. I have no idea what the joke was. We are constantly trying to evolve how we do things with alt text with making sure that we present stuff in an accessible format we're trying to understand how we can present content in a way that's both engaging so mike as you say you don't lose that immersion and that fantasy and the joke always delivers to the extent that you want it to deliver yeah. um but also just making sure that more people can enjoy it or laugh at it so we're going through a very kind of iterative process constantly and the feedback is always super valuable you know from all corners but especially when people come to us and say i didn't get this joke but actually and you broke my screen reader or you made it go nuts but what you could do in future is do xyz and we just take that forward every single time and there's xbox resources but obviously with social media it's super immediate and they can give us that response it means that next time the week after we deliver it in a different way and hopefully more people get to enjoy it absolutely and you know like whether it's community on social media whether it's our own spaces on cfd's website or the forums or our customer support tools like all of these things are player experience or you know people who are engaged with sea of thieves in whatever way that's part of their experience so we want to make that as accessible we want to be as inclusive as possible as we can be to people no matter where they are so just it's been good to see how passionate our team has got about this like recently tofer and james with a compass narration um like the whole team gets super passionate about this of getting these features in the game and it's very much you know it's it's an audience that may very well want to experience sea of thieves and they're, they're already sold on the magic of the game they've just got this gate that's preventing them from playing it so it's quite an easy thing to get passionate about in terms of opening the game up to more people it's it's pretty cool and the, the, the team's obviously learning a lot but remain super passionate to, to do as much of this stuff as possible it's great yeah it, it's really interesting from kind of my perspective as well of, of it's the learning right all the time mm. you're always learning and things that you just hadn't even considered like i think the one a week or two ago i can't remember what conversation it was in but it was around sharks which kind of came up around just the fear of sharks people some people have a fear of sharks right and we, so we obviously the original intent was to kind of play into that i guess right because you're like you're, you're putting sharks into our world so that they're in the sea they're scary they're they're purposely designed to surprise you and when when they kind of attack and stuff right there's no like sound cue until they've kind of attach you and stuff but but that can be something that actually is kind of the opposite of inclusion for some people right because they just don't want to get into our game and jump into the sea because they know that, that, that that's going to really strike that fill them with fear and so that's something that you know we'll then go talk about and consider and think of like what what can we do on, on that front right and that i know that's a kind of um conversation that's ongoing at the moment but i i just don't think i would have even thought of that i know i had a friend mm. who was scared of sharks and it's like oh, i can't play sea of thieves because of that but like but i hadn't thought Oh, but there's a solve. There's potentially something we could do yeah. for that, right? So I just, I just find it fascinating. There's always, there's just so many different things we can do. Massively, mm. and I think one of the things that things, the framings that really kind of open my like eyes is this notion that accessibility, being the gap between your capability and the, the, the experience, can be temporary and can be situational. So if you're a new parent who's got a baby in one arm, then you know playing a game with one hand, like if we can help you do that, then you can play Sea of Thieves in that context. Or, you know, you, you want to have the sound right down because the baby's sleeping. Well, then all of a sudden you've got the same needs as someone that's 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 got low or no hearing. And so taking that approach 
to kind of thinking about it suddenly makes it far more. I think there's a stat in the US that's like 21,000 people a year suffer the loss of an upper extremity. But when you extend that to people that break their arms or um, to people who are situationally disabled, that's 21 million every year. And so all of a sudden it, it, it goes from a kind of, you know, a, a thing that's with unconscious bias, you think it's, it's, it's very niche. Not at all. It's quite the opposite. It's that everyone has a different context. You know, I can be playing Sea of Thieves on xCloud on the bus and my attention is not fully on the game because I need to, you know, work out when my next, you know, when I'm going to be getting off the bus. So that kind of framing of like, well, this isn't, this is about including everybody. This is about making things accessible for everybody. It kind of changes your perspective on, 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 yeah, people's lived experience and how we can support them, I guess. And just where we're, we're definitely learning this stuff, I wanted to give a big shout out to Sightless Combat, who I know has been a big, uh, ambassador for pushing what we do there and working closely with yourselves under it and and Topher and he reaches out and we're doing some shows and stuff on Sea of Thieves television soon with him so it'd be really yeah it's, it's really cool to see him like really getting involved in what we do and helping that development process and I think just hearing uh you folks talk about about the accessibility options we have here is uh, seeing that then like we're learning now as a studio on Sea of Thieves, but you can also apply that to anything we do in the future. Obviously, Sea of Thieves is, is one game, but any future games we work on as well, that those same learnings, a lot of them can then apply uh, moving yeah. forward. So it's it's really cool to see that we're learning, but not just for Sea of Thieves. Yeah, Absolutely. I think the way, yeah. the way you put that, Xander, the, the journey of understanding, I mean, that is in action now. I know... Yeah. For a fact that when we were designing sharks and implementing sharks, we weren't thinking about the accessibility needs of sharks at all. We were going completely to delivering the best shark experience in CATs from our own viewpoint. But now, whenever we design new features, because that knowledge is in the team, all of this is considered at the right point in development, which is essentially right from the start. So you actually design with our latest knowledge and understanding in mind. Um, which is kind of putting it into action, but there's kind of no end to that, right? We, we're, we're always learning and it applies to any future features and games that we make. Absolutely. Yeah. And if it's, if it's rolled into the thinking like straight from the off, then there is no gap between someone's capability and the experience, right? Like we can always build a bridge across that gap or we can put a sign up saying there's a gap here, you know? Um, but if we're rolling it into our design processes and our like, you know, solutionizing around how we're going to engineer things, if it's that awareness and that unconscious bias is exposed and interrogated and, you know, we, we have empathy and understanding at that early point in time, it just makes for a far richer experience and a far more accessible experience. And that's, that's what we want is we want everyone to play. Sweet. That was like a, I think a nice way to round it up there for accessibility. And then we're going to probably hand this bit over to, so Adam, uh, I know there's a bunch of stuff that always goes out in our, our social media when we're like hyping up the, the latest, whether it's the latest book or a new vinyl and, or, or uh, whatever we're doing there out in terms of merch, but you don't often get in front of camera here for us, Adam. So we need to put like the face to the prop as such prop. <laughs> <laughs> the face to the prop are we still Very talking about the better word for that the face to the merch uh, i'm yeah. pretty sure there probably was one john there, def <laughs> there definitely was one <laughs> and that wasn't it like, but the, um but yeah the face to the talent and uh, so 
<laughs> run us through, like run us through what you do from a high level, just so that people know what you do, what your job is. Um, so it's head of brand and licensing. But that's kind of a bit of an opaque title, really. So I'd say day to day is a combination of like working with our partners at Xbox, um, across all the other studios, whether it be marketing, like PR, obviously all the stu- all the different teams within Rare as well. So I work an awful lot with Christina and yourself, John, and also with Mike and Joe and everyone else. Um, but then there's like the big kind of chunk of licensing stuff, which is what I think you were kind of more erring towards. So it's interesting because we're not a licensing company, obviously. We make games, and so licensing isn't our thing. So it never really was something we did. And I'd say we probably started looking into licensing as a thing around about the time Rare Replay came out. That was the first time we really dabbled in, well, what could we do that adds a bit extra to the release of the game? And that kind of led us down to finding a partner in IM8 Bit who could do some really cool like limited edition vinyls and art prints. But that was about as far as it went. But then for Sea of Thieves, I think we kind of understood that in our heads, even before launch, Sea of Thieves was going to be huge. And so we were like, well, the things that we love, you know, we want all this kind of stuff to buy into it as well. So if you're a massive fan, you want other touch points to a franchise or for a game or to a TV show or whatever it is. And so we wanted to do the same for Sea of Thieves. And so right from day one, we kind of went at it as if we were already Star Wars, effectively. And so we went out and we talked to all these different companies, and whether that was books or comics or games or toys, and we just tried to come out the gates with this kind of huge range of stuff. So on a day-to-day, you know, we'll be talking to like a dozen or so different partners at any given time, whether that's people coming to us and saying, we want to make this and we'll assess everything. And we have this quite rigorous kind of internal review process where we decide, is this company or this partner the right fit for us? Does this kind of service people? Because we don't want to just rip people off and just put out 10,000 things and people feel like they have to go and buy everything just because they love Sea of Thieves. So we kind of review everything in that way. And then there's all of the different stages of getting a product from that initial pitch through to it actually coming out. That's licensing, at least from our perspective. There's a lot of other bits in there, but it's quite boring. I don't want to go into like, <laughs> legal sign off and all of them. <laughs> no, no, take us through the legal sign off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a thrilling <laughs> podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Christina, I know there's definitely a bunch of stuff there that the community have been asking. So yeah, so if I if I run through that, a lot of the questions from the community would be like, "Please, can you make this so I can buy it?" I don't think that was going to be a particularly fun podcast. For me. Like, what about this a phone case for this phone? What about this for this thing? Um, so I'll just send you a fun email in a bit. Um, but I think one thing is, um, and I think. I think we could probably, before you answer this, maybe go around the room and see what people think might be the answer. But if we try and think of what is the most popular item or items in the store we've sold, and then we can all have a guess and you can tell us how wrong we are. How how would that sound? I'm in. Yeah. Adam knows, surely. Well, yeah, no, he's the one who's going to tell us, so we're going to guess. Adam's not going to guess. That makes more sense. (laughs) Just run me through what you do again, Adam. (laughs) From the top, from the top. What was the middle thing? Yeah. Yeah. I just thought you were a toy maker. (laughs) There's a little little workshop up there with little little wooden toys. (laughs) Okay, I got so what we've got first. to guess what we think. Like, I've, got, I've probably got a bit of an insight, so I'm probably going to yeah. sit out this guessing round, even though I'd like to win. 
but um, uh, <laughs> I probably know. So. so just as context here, Christine, you need to set some ground rules. Is this stuff that we've sold specifically through like our own store? And complicated now. Sure, <laughs> 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 yeah. So there's also, or is it just like stuff that's sold best overall that has Sea of Thieves attached to it in some way without Let's leading the Let's go for that one. Let's go for that one. Let's go broad. Oh, well, that's... Okay. And is, is it the controller? Is it, yes. Is it something? <laughs> yes, yeah. it is, yes. Is it something? <laughs> if you take out the controller... Uh, <laughs> and the what Seagate about the hard drive? ancient coin bundles? Like, are we counting <laughs> ancient coin <laughs> bundles? For surely. This is why legal's important. We <laughs> <laughs> need to set the ground rules for this one. That's true. That's true. So taking out the Sea of Thieves controller and the Seagate hard drive, what and are the best-selling items and this that we've sold that's merch so you've got a guess so come on then mike go first um it's not t-shirts i would say it's the the small things like the coins let's see if these coin reapers coin or the trading company coins like one of one of those i think the small keepsakes that feel like they're from the world that's what i would buy if i'd buy one thing I'm going to say it's going to be one of two things. For me, it's going to be either Monopoly or maybe the like the Reaper's Pride t-shirt because I, I see so many of those around. I've just been trying to get... Yeah, I'm genuinely got it open. And Looking at the bestsellers I, bit. <laughs> yeah, just sorting to buy. Where is like Sunday? You can't say that. The slacks are new. I'm I'm just I'm blown away by the fact that we sell deck chairs. I didn't realise that we sold deck chairs. So I mean I'm I'm gonna go just because I love the fact that we've got deck chairs there. I'm gonna go with deck chairs, and I I, I know I'm gonna be wrong, but I just love it. You're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you Fair. should be right, Xander. You should. Yeah. Be right. They should. Shouldn't be I? Look at it. You should. Plunder outpost deck chair. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Add to basket. Yeah, that's a basket. And Joe? No, I'd like I know. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would say then I agree with Mike then on this small thing, and I would have probably said coins, but maybe I would go with either the art book or the Athena plaque thing. I'm intrigued to know what you think it is, Joe. Sorry? So, no, but if I'm wrong, I'm going to look really stupid, aren't I? <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, Also, no. a really good demonstration of the confidence of an executive producer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the, the kind of confidence you need to kind of possess and, and display mm. in all decision-making. Um, that you th- pretend you know everything, and it doesn't really matter if you don't. Um, it worked on us. No, so I, th- I think it's coins, right? It's like individual, the, the individual kind of collector coins and things that, that both uh, uh, Mike and John kind of called out. Turns out you were right, Joe. There you go. You were um, right. So yes, the coins. And I think it was kind of to the point you said, Mike, as well. I mean, the Reaper's T-shirt, just, you know, the, the rainbow pride one, that has <laughs> sold a huge amount. So you were nearly there, Christina. But the coins, yeah, and I think it's that being able to own something which feels like it's from the world. And that was yeah. so important to us. And, and like going back to the controller briefly, which obviously was limited edition, came out, launched, sold really well. I mean, like doing a controller for Sea of Thieves, it was 
it was so important to us early on. And we had these discussions many times with Mike that everything that we did, certainly early on in licensing, had to feel like it had fallen out of the world. So the coins are a great example of that because they do just look like they could have come from the world. But with the controller, I mean, that was a huge challenge at the time of how do you make a Xbox controller look like it's come from the Sea of Thieves? So, you know, we worked really closely with the hardware team over in Seattle. They came back and forth and we had all these discussions about how would we make a Sea of Thieves controller? And we kind of landed on the notion of the kind of the undead side and, you know, the, the Ferry of the Damned aspect of it and like laser etching for barnacles and glow in the dark and semi-transparent and all these different things and and i think that's kind of why it stood out was because it was just kind of a beautiful controller in of itself but then if you have that sea of thieves attachments you know it's just got all these tiny little elements to it which just kind of help build the world which is an odd thing to say about a controller but i still i, still, I love it still i think it's spot on i think the coin thing is, is fairly obvious when you you think about our approach i think I don't think we ever said this, Adam, but I think early on it was a very conscious thing to make this more than just merchandise. It's not just merchandise. Everything we do in terms of extended universe stories is canon. Every piece of item feels like it could come from the Sea of Thieves. And it, it just taps into that feeling that people remember of the favourite toys from childhood. Or like, why do people like, they love a movie or they love a game, and you want to own a piece of it, something that feels authentically from that world. And I think we've always tried to put that extra bit of love. Um, and obviously, well done to, to to you and your team, Adam, on delivering on that, because I think like, there's so many examples of that from the first house from the Sea of Thieves law book, which again was approached as a journal that could have come from the world to all the little coins. It's Yeah, it's awesome. It's a bit harder to kind of say monopolies from the world, but... They could play that, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> that works. I am. Um, I would never be forgiven if I didn't ask this. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot with a question that wasn't shared with you previously. Mm-hmm. But we do get asked about the Sea of Thieves controller a lot. Is there a world where we would do one, say, for the new console? So in terms of yeah, so that's a good question. So in terms of hardware, so the hardware team obviously their lead times are massive, as you can imagine. So, I, I mean, I remember when we were doing the CFDs controller, I think it was the E3 before we came out. So it would have been, what, 2017? Yeah. was when we kind of saw the final form factor. And that's when it had been through all of its tests. And it, like, because they drop test the controllers like 10,000 times to make sure they don't smash and all this stuff. And so that's when we got to see the actual, this is what it's going to look like. So um, in terms of doing another controller we'd never bring that one back because it was limited edition and so we would you know we honor that legal t's and c's (laughs) (laughs) for a future podcast i'd say we'd love to do another one it's probably what i'll say it'd be great can i ask a question adam as well that, that that i can spring on you every time i see the next set of commendations that have been crafted lovingly by our resident commendation crafter will Averton. I love them because they have the right mix of kind of visual contrast and um, detail that's fantastic. And every time I see them, I want one on a T-shirt. And what I'm not asking is that we have a range of T-shirts with every single commendation in Sea of Thieves. But I'm sure there are some favourite commendations kicking around somewhere that, that, that would look stunning well, between us, there's like a meeting now. Between us, Christine. Yeah, yeah. Can we just... I'll take notes. You pull up. Let's yeah. find um, out. I can t- Hunter of the Shrouded Ghost. It will be that, won't it? Obviously, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Let's yeah. see if we can get one up by the time this podcast comes out. You have to submit <laughs> your gamer tag to actually go to the purchase screen to add it to cart. I was going to say you have to verify that <laughs> yeah, you are a, that you are a hunter of the shroud of ghosts before you can buy the t-shirt. Can our website do that? I, re- I reckon there's a challenge being set here somewhere, isn't there? <laughs> 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 All right, I've got another another question for you, Adam. Okay. Um. So what's the brand and licensing endeavor that's taken the longest to come to fruition? And before you answer that, you can't say a pirate's life. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, well, there's something ongoing at the moment, which I can't talk about, which has been going on since 2016. Tease. Which, go on, tease. You've got to, you've got to tease it somehow. Do I know what it is, Adam? You know. I, I think I know what it is. Yeah. Do I if know it, what is it is what I th- you we would know because I probably would have giddily talked to you about it. <laughs> so if if it is that thing in my head that's in your head, then that would be amazing. That would be that would be unbelievable. So there's that, and yeah. that is <laughs> by nature of things, just it takes forever, um, but is very much worth it, and is a big deal. So it's a great thing. Um, things I could actually talk about probably i mean the controller for one was took ages but that was like a year and a half maybe um from start to finish i'd say monopoly actually took a long time um mm. you know we and again to kind of mike point whilst monopoly doesn't look like it's from the world equally we didn't want to just logo slap a monopoly and that'd be that so we kind of worked very closely with the team at winning moves on monopoly to make it as sea of thieves as we could and so there's things we couldn't change like we wanted to change the jail to a brig i mean that yeah. obvious was yeah. there's there is like core elements of monopoly which you cannot touch um you can't put an eye patch on the monopoly man but anything we Good could <laughs> we did and you know like making sure everything matched to where the map was and it was all kind of like orientated correctly and all the, you know the pieces were i mean i remember we had many meetings over what the pieces should be mike yeah the, the for the yeah the tokens what yeah, yeah, but no, but the pig's got four legs, stands up. That's why the chicken failed. Wanted the chicken. The chicken felt <laughs> slightly more quintessentially sea of thieves, but again, those legs aren't good for load bearing. Would have fallen out. <laughs> so that, that that was an easy decision in the end. But yeah, what are the what are the things that encapsulate the sea of thieves experience across a bunch of tokens? So yeah, that was a good meeting. And books, I'd say as well, take a long time. So novels and. The art book took a huge amount of time. It was a massive group effort across the studio just while we were trying to ship the game as well to pull all of that art together, make it cohesive, you know, ensure it was an informative art book as well. So, so yeah, so things do take a while. Sometimes I forget we've kicked stuff off and then it'll appear. And I'm like, oh, yes. What <laughs> <laughs> about that? Some of the book stuff is, is, is awesome as well. And I think, like, I know we've talked about this, but the... The chance to kind of explore different stories in the Sea of Thieves is obviously wonderful anyway, but I think it's so much more pertinent to us with Sea of Thieves being a game that's constantly evolving. Like today is present day in the Sea of Thieves. And even though we have these short linear stories in game through our tall tales or our ongoing narratives, we don't we can't go back in time and explain the origins of things in game unless we're hinting to it. So the chance to bring that to life through a comic or a novel is is always fun. Like the origin comments that we comics we've done have some been some of the best stuff we've done. Um, like tapping into the origins of the different trading companies and Pendragon story. Like it's, it's been been a joy to work on, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, I love doing the comics, and I think they're an interesting one because obviously our first set of comics were 
like you you know you paid for them they were just normal comics um and in fact i think mike we were at a comic-con once where there were some lads turned up to our panel who weren't oh, aware yeah. that sea of these was a game so they came to the sea of these panel expecting us to talk about the comic that was san diego i think that was the where we graduated to the bigger room <laughs> yes, at, at Comic-Con. So it was like a, a great sign of, oh, we've upgraded. People know who we are. And yeah, there's a couple... They're in the front row, aren't they, I think? Um, that, the, this is a game? Sea of Thieves is a game? <laughs> <laughs> With the Origins one, obviously, we've always done those for free. And as you say, it's just this great place to tell the backstory. It also introduced new things, like did the first novel introduce characters who would come into the game the same with the mm. tales book we had things in the tales book that hasn't necessarily even been paid off yet in game but it's those yeah. threads are there from however many years ago and so yeah i love doing all that and i think like a similar thing with the vinyl as well we we could have just done a vinyl and just you know put robin's lovely music on it put some beautiful artwork on it and just had you know and that'd be that but we instead decided to kind of make this canonical piece of art if you like, um, yeah. that is like tells the story. Like I think you would at the time, Mike. It was like let's try and make a tall tale that people can kind of take home and have on their shelf. And that was kind yeah, of well, like, the War of the Worlds was a, was a big inspiration. Like how can we tell a story through music? So um, spent quite a lot of time sitting down with Robin and almost going first, what do we want the flow of the story to be, and then setting that to music. So we want to put in that skeleton ship battle music, that piece that everybody loves. Well. That's because their crew has encountered a skeleton ship on the way back to the outpost as part of this broader story. So that was just, and they thought, oh, let's have a let's have a separate vinyl with just full of tavern songs. Like let's that's that's like the the party that happens following that great adventure that they go on. Well, we were going to initially have it fully narrated, weren't we? And we, then, but then we realised it was going to be like twelve vinyl and would mm-hmm. cost like five hundred pounds. It was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Briggsy prequel with the Briggsy narration, all of that, yeah. But oh. now you can read along instead as you listen. The art is amazing, though. One of my favourite things about the vinyl is that there is a piece of art uh, of a ship that has the golden hour sails on them, which is the sot shot sails, which is a reward for people engaged with us on social. And then that's turned up in the tavern as well. So it's so yeah, yeah. cleverly like integrated with our wider community, but also like in the game too. It's just thematically just linked all over the place rather than just, like you say, it could have been like a thing that people plonked on the shelves with a like a front cover and be like cool there's a vinyl but it's so well interwoven into the game and the franchise in general it's it's wicked i can't wait for my copy soon hopefully (laughs) very soon um and then just touching on something that we've been kind of skirting around as well so like so many of our community have enjoyed the athena's fortune audiobook which was wonderful i guess an audiobook was a new experience for us too i think it was the first one we've done with our wonderful narrator toby stevens but you know as of this morning i was, I was doing some research it's still five stars across the board on like audible on amazon etc um, and how does a project like that come about how is it brought to life and then like also crucially for the law hounds is there a plan for a second novel well so, so the audiobook was interesting because that kind of fell out of what we were just talking about so we were originally going to do the um vinyl as as like a narrated thing with the music behind them. We're like, well, we need sound effects to make it bed in better. And before we knew it, we were making basically a Radio 4 like play. And it was like, this is ridiculous. So we kind of reined back on that. But then we still liked the idea of having like some kind of spoken word piece that people could experience. And we had the novel and we 
had always had this idea of using Toby Stevens for something because obviously he'd done great work in, you know, another pirate franchise. I don't know, am I, am I allowed to mention it? I assume. Yeah, you're the legal expert. You're, you're, the, you're the T's and C's. <laughs> we'll sign anything. <laughs> uh, but so obviously we'd always want him to kind of do something with us and this just seemed like the perfect opportunity. So we, like, it was just kind of between us and then we just kicked it off and it was an entirely new learning process on how to do an audiobook. So it was all done during lockdown. So he was, I think, over in Vancouver and was stuck in a hotel room. And so we were linking up with him at, like, midnight and he was reading the book to us over what sounded like the phone it was very surreal experience um and then obviously yes off we went and just kind of processed it got some artwork done and put it out and hoped for the best but we thought you know i think it turned out wonderfully well i say that there was a lot of work went into it and a fantastic (laughs) production house we used who did all the sound effects and kind of made it sound of this lovely cohesive thing but in terms of another novel i don't know if we I don't think probably I don't think we've announced it yet, but yes, we are. Just have. Just we just did, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's being written as we speak, so mm. um, yeah, we've kind of worked on the pricey, and so we know what the story is and all the various aspects to it, and it's actually being written now by Chris Alcock again, who wrote our first novel. So that should be out next year and he's full of law isn't it mike you can attest to that it's uh, as you would expect in a written novel it is full of law um no no it's good the, i love the, i think the story will explain um background of a key character and why his name is his name in in present day sea of thieves so yeah it dives into some interesting stuff and sets up some cool stuff for the future as well so there's definitely some explanation for key elements of air law um for the first time which is what we always try to do like athena's fortune was an opportunity to pull together a lot of law that we'd established in the game that probably went over a lot of players heads that was a way to solidify it and take it in 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 a different direction i'm sure chris is going to end up doing the same with the second novel which is to explain some things that have been in the game for some time as part of a an original story but the brief for the story was very exciting so be good I know the title for the book as well. Um... I know the title of the book. The title of the book is, well, oh, T's and C's. I saw, is that a bead of sweat, Adam? Is that a bead of sweat? Sorry. <laughs> but be careful. I'll be careful. I'll be careful. Yes. The, t- the title of the novel is the already the title of something in the game. Mm, that's a good tease. And it's not a lavender beard. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is there really anyone that you've it. wanted to work with, Adam? or that we that we'd like to that you've not been able to kind of get a foot in the door and get a meeting with so it's interesting you say that so like early on obviously before the game launched like getting meetings wasn't that easy because obviously it was this unknown thing yeah well that's it and they had a rough idea of what it was but you know we weren't this kind of thing that people were that aware of other than having seen a couple of trailers of it so i'd say those early meetings were quite difficult quite often and it was more well they're rare so we believe in this project and so some of the partners who came on early like titan and fan gamer and all these people like they showed huge faith in the team that we were going to deliver what they had in their head you know things like the tales book that you know that was all written and done like months before launch and you know time to come out with launch same with dark horse and the art book whereas now it's very easy to get meetings. In fact, it's the opposite. You know, we're getting approached constantly by people. And there's some, there's this one company where I really, I'm not going to say who they are. 
<laughs> Christina hates their stuff and they approach I mean they'll know if they watch this they'll just be like but they must approach let's like, see my hate tweets and we know what this is <laughs> they Human. must approach us like once a month but it kind of just doesn't fit with us you know it, yeah. it just doesn't make sense and it trivialises what see if they exist just too much like you know we're a game that is happy to make fun of itself but equally this is just not a good fit for us so there is definitely companies we've wanted to work with who we've not so far had much success with. Um, very few, though, I would say. I'd say pretty much everyone we want to work with, we have. But there's one company in particular I'm thinking of. And the only reason I'm not saying who it is is because we do actually have a meeting with them <laughs> finally in a yeah. couple of weeks' time. So I don't want to just in case and then be like, oh, well, they're desperate. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And then one other thing that obviously you're involved with, as you said at the start um, of your lovely introduction, was that you work with a lot of the other Xbox game studios in terms of bringing their IP to life in ours or, you know, brand collaborations. Um, obviously, we're in November now, which is terrifying. But obviously, next month, uh, Halo Infinite arrives. And this is a question that we've seen from multiple people across multiple channels. The community would like to know if they'll see the Spartan ship set again um, with the release of Halo Infinite later this year. Do you have anything no matter how abstract to offer uh, to an answer as an answer to this question. I think a good answer that would be, that would be lovely. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's lovely. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, would be um, lovely. I don't think we'd necessarily bring back what we've already done before. Um, I think, you know, if we were going to do that, I think we even, if it's an IP we've done stuff with in the past, I think it's always nice to revisit things. Um, so I think if we were going to do anything, we would look to revisit it rather than just release something we put out at E3 like two or three years ago. But those kind of collaborations between studios are great. You know, like seeing Sea of Thieves in other titles um, and, you know, seeing different titles come to Sea of Thieves, I think it's great. And the fact that we can actually do that in a way that's sympathetic to our world, like, you know, to, to kind of to the point of Halo, it's like, you know, putting Space Marines in Sea of Thieves just seems like it would be an utter contradiction in terms. But it's, you know, entirely a credit to the art team at Rare that we're able to interpret these things and bring them in, in the way we do. So I love doing it and yeah, I'm all for it. And, you know, we've done some fantastic and interesting ones with a huge variety of IP, mainly first party, but obviously we did Borderlands as well, which was third party, which was again, a great experience. And that came about from Randy Pitford basically just liking Sea of Thieves, right? Like that was the initial thing, wasn't it? Yeah. I think he reached out to us yeah, on yeah. Twitter. That was yeah. how it kicked off. And then, yeah, yeah two years later, yeah. there's Claptrap. <laughs> <laughs> Claptrap inspired? What are we allowed to say? <laughs> we oh, have God. to say Borderlands. <laughs> no, we are. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It, yeah. <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> I can't remember. It was fine. It was, fine. Good. It was it's a good. couple of emails about that stuff, wasn't there? A couple of <laughs> yeah. How, how many times in uh, in this podcast episode will you notice in the obvious cuts in, the, in between these <laughs> sections? <laughs> also, that's it's a really cool insight into into what you're uh, doing there, Adam. I think uh, the community is always like super excited when we release new new merch stuff. So now they know who to email. The email will be at the bottom of the YouTube description. If you have any ideas for what you want to send to Adam, <laughs> they can go direct to his mail. Um, Saw so some cool things we've got. We've got some trainers coming out. Trainer, they yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. They're really yeah. cool. Yeah, I'll show you them tomorrow if you're in. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't in my them. size, unfortunately. Otherwise, they'd have been gone. 
Um, so for our listeners, the one, the one really cool thing of Adam's job, obviously he works on many cool things, but his office is basically a treasure trove of goodies. <laughs> so you get a lot of visitors wanting to see like the latest and greatest like prototypes or new things that we're launching. And this that's a very charitable cool way of describing our office, the treasure trove. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's very like on brand with Sea of Thieves. It's a mess. <laughs> yeah, no floor space. Plus, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, come on. But the best bit is when you go there, you come out with like an armful of stuff like, mm. just to try and make some space for them to continue working in. Basically. Do you like yeah. this bottle opener, Joe? No, yeah. go on. <laughs> <laughs> just lastly then, before we go, because I know uh, we haven't really done this in a while, although we've teased quite a bit today and announced apparently quite a bit today. So, Have we? Yeah. Announced a book? Announced oh, yeah, book. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. And, uh... and talked about a lot of things that would be lovely to do. Would be yeah, lovely. That's mm. Lovely. A particular set of partners that Adam doesn't want to work with. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we are on the cusp of season five. Um, and I know Christina's social will have started their, their CFTs, I think, probably by the time this comes out. If not, it'll be very close. Um, so is there anything you want to talk about in regards to season five about even just like a high level the kind of thinking that went into it. Yeah, like, shall know. we? That, that would be lovely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I think off the, I think of season three and the the kind of huge kind of story that we added um, as part of that and the five tall tales along with season four, the Sunken Kingdom, so expanding the stage of the world and where you can have adventures. For season five, off the back of that, very conscious decision to, I guess, it's not any one thing. It's a collection of features that really kind of embody kind of the heart of CFTs, that kind of tools, not rules approach. So a set of tools that enhance the sandbox and give you new um, ways to express yourself in the world. And I think what's been wonderful about that is traditionally not many games would add this kind of stuff three and three and a bit years after release and i think it's it's something we're really proud of but um some of those things that they're you know they're kind of on the sidelines are extra bits of feedback there's nice quality life improvements but there's there's definitely some things in there that our community have talked about for a fair few years that's it's been wonderful um to bring to the game like new ways to express yourself and new things that you can do in the world um that can create stories between players in the sandbox so i think on a on the powerpoint slide when we we're planning the season it does have a name now and it's not this but it was the tools not rules release it was a, a selection of tools that can enrich the sandbox so awesome to see the the passion of the team delivering this as i think it's a reminder of the early prototyping days when we just have these fun little novel ideas for mechanics and we'd get them into the game and it would just enhance the role play opportunities of being in this pirate world. So, yeah, the team's had a great time building this stuff. And I'm just glad we've had the opportunity to do it. It's going to be great to get out there. Definitely some unexpected things. Um, and I'm sure a few people will say, a small amount of people, like, what? why are they adding this now? It's like, because we can, we're popular, and we <laughs> want to keep enhancing the type of ways you can express yourself in the sandbox. And we'd, we'd love to do more stuff like this in the future as well. Oh yeah, more tools, not rules stuff um, to enhance your experience. It's definitely a little bit of a luxury update in that way, isn't it? Like it's um, like it's just like we're just adding loads of stuff that's fun for kind mm. of 
no real purpose apart from that, right? Which is like, it's just to give players all these really cool tools and, yeah. and options. And like you say, the role play and just it's, we'll put it out there and see what people do with it all, right? And see how it just kind of yeah. enhances the, the sandbox. Yeah. It's classic, a classic Sea of Thieves update, I think. It is. Like, it is. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it very much feels like, like, like you said, Mike, the, the kind of prototype energy is really strong in this release, isn't it? Like there's lots of playful stuff. Um, that that yeah that might be disparate but all kind of enhances that 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 experience in a in a in a very open way uh, that's the the reality right when you when you when you're working on features to 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 engage players and surprise them and give them these awesome new adventures is you kind of think about features in terms of like what what's the goal it's going to create what's the reward you're going to get off engaging with that goal and striving for that goal and as a result of marching forward to that we kind of we miss out on a bunch of fun little features that just sometimes it's really hard to articulate the value to the player but it's kind of it's priceless in a way because it it just enhances any adventure any interaction between players and sea of thieves so i've got no doubt that this will be a cause for much hilarity and laughing and great stories and shared videos over the christmas period so yeah can't can't wait to go people to get their hands on it. It's not definitely not one you're going to want to sit on. It's awesome. Yeah, I think like one of the, some of the conversations that I have with folks when they're talking about the features and you say that this kind of stuff that's going in here, you, you they prob- people probably, a lot of people probably wouldn't ask for it, but once it's in, if you were ever to say, we're going to take that away, they'd be like, no, 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 you can't take it away. It's essential. It's, it's so essential. much fun to use. <laughs> um, yeah. and, There's definitely and a think- few things in there that, I know our community will say, thank God they finally <laughs> added that. We wanted that in there since day one. So, yeah, there's a, there's a few kind of small little features that I think will be like really well received when they're announced. And there's a few other kind of unexpected things um, that once you get to experience them with your crew, they'll, they'll definitely be clear and they'll definitely cause, cause some humour on the crew. Awesome. I think that's like a, a nice kind of sea of teas to end it on there. Um so yeah, I guess just to round up, thank you everybody for watching today and thanks to all our amazing guests and, and talking through this stuff as always. And hopefully we get another one of these podcasts out by the end of the year. But you know, we are really regular and we're always on. We always know exactly what date we're shipping this on. So you never know, it might, it might happen. Um, but yeah, if you have been listening to us and you want to go back and watch for some reason, and you're just like, I want to go back and see their faces as they're saying this stuff because I want to see Adam's face when we talk about a particular partner. Then <laughs> uh, then do, do go over to youtube.com uh, forward slash see thieves and you can find us over there. And if you do want to listen to us, as I say, maybe you just want to catch up and rehear some bits again, then you go into any reputable podcast app. And remember to subscribe to these things because... As I say, they come out quite randomly. So if you want to catch them when they do come out and you miss the social post, then go go and click that little ship's bell on YouTube or whatever it is on podcast apps because I don't use that. But I'm sure it's like, there's a follow button there, I'm sure. Um, and, and subscribe to that. So other than that, I think that's us for today. And oh, one last thing. If you want your question asked in the next one, Sort podcast on uh, any of the social channels, Christina? Is I think it- we can find it anywhere. If it's public, we can find it. <laughs> so threatening. That sounds really <laughs> sinister. It's not that sinister. Sorry. No, it's all good. Don't worry. Be safe. I'm- 
And that's it for today. So we'll see you all next time. And thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>